0: Showtime! Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland. Settle in, folks. It's blustery out there. The winds are blowing right across Lake Ontario tonight. Perfect night for you guys to settle in your easy chair because we're going to be talking about a ghost story tonight. Just let me read this, folks. And this is from our guest tonight, Gary Jansen's book called Holy Ghosts. And this is an account from... 2007 from right directly in Gary's son's bedroom get ready as I reached into his dresser drawer I felt something very strange behind me startled I quickly turned around there was nothing there I shrugged it off grabbed the socks and as I was walking to the doorway experienced a very odd phenomenon sort of sort of like an electrical hand rubbing the length of my back. I stopped and stood transfixed. What the hell is that? I said to myself. The pressure then seemed to break apart, and for a brief moment, I felt I had a little million bugs crawling all over my back. Within seconds, however, the sensation was gone. Thus began, folks, a series of strange and disturbing encounters over the course of a year culminating in Gary's conviction that his house is indeed haunted folks this is a true ghost story settle in get the coffee going get the tea going get in your comfy chair if you're driving on the 401 the Trans Canada, ease off that gas pedal we're gonna take you on a journey for the next hour And what's really chilling is this journey is true. Strap in and hang on. Here we go.
1: There is a time to question. There is a time for answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate, there is a time for change, there is a time for truth, the time is now. Welcome to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. Now, your host, Brent Holland.
0: Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome to Night Fright. I'm your host, Brent Holland. Our guest tonight, Gary Jansen, has a book out called Holy Ghosts. He was haunted for over a year in his house. We're going to jump in right away. I'm going to welcome Gary to the show. Welcome, Gary. Thank you for joining us. Hey Brent, thanks so much for having me. When I read this account of what took place in your son's bedroom, it sent chills up and down my spine. Was this the beginning of the haunting? Was this midway through? Was this what
2: happened near the end? How did all this begin for you? That really was the beginning of, of what turned out to be a year-long a year haunting. And it really, it began just as you described it from from what you read. You know, I went upstairs to get my son a pair of socks one one evening in March. And um, all of a sudden, I felt something like course up and down my back. And the way I described it was as if someone was wearing an invisible glove, an electrified glove, and just kind of started rubbing the length of my back. And then it quickly disappeared. And I guess growing up, You know, as a member of the ADD generation, by the time I got downstairs and handed my wife the socks to put on my son, I forgot about it, except that it kept happening in the house. And it only seemed to be happening in my son's room, but only when I was in my son's room by myself. If my son was with me, nothing happened. If my wife was with me, nothing happened. If the two of them were with me together, nothing happened. But if I went in there to drop something off or to pick something up or to look for something, i get that strange sensation that just started, you know, it just, it kind of electrified my
0: body. You know, this begs several questions. I'm going to start off with some basic ones. How
2: long were you in the house and how old's your son? Yeah, my son was three at the time and uh, we had been in the house for about six years. But the, uh, it was my ancestral home, I suppose. Uh, I would moved in there with my family when I was six, and, you know, between six and seven. They had um, started renovating when I was six and we moved in when I was about seven. and uh, the, uh, So I lived there for a number of years and then moved away and you know, did my own thing. But back in 2001, my mom, after having a divorce with my dad, asked you know, if we would buy the house, my wife and I. And at first we were kind of apprehensive about it, um, but we decided to just take the leap and to do it. So we bought the house and my mom moved away. Now when I was growing up, we would hear weird things in the house and my mom was always convinced that the house was haunted, that there was a ghost in the house. But my dad was my dad was just a working class Joe. We you know, he, he what he he didn't believe in anything he couldn't see. And uh, he never saw anything, even though he did hear these things, but he would just again just use this kind of uh, the house is settling, you know, excuse. the house is settling or just, you know, don't worry about it. It's nothing to worry about. But my mom always thought it was something else. And my mom would have, you know, she would see things and she would experience things. And we experienced them as well. But when we moved back in the house in 2001, it was pretty quiet until 2007. And then the house got very, very active.
0: You say when you were a kid, by the way, folks, we're speaking with Gary Jansen. His book is called Holy Ghosts, How a Not-So-Good Catholic Boy became a believer in things that go bump in the night.
1: You're listening to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for Paranormal and Conspiracy Radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Holland. Easy way to get this
0: book, folks. As always, just go to the www.brent... Oh, sorry, folks. Show. Dot .com website, if you click on the book cover, that'll take you right to a place where you can order this book from the comfort of your own home, and tonight's a perfect night for that, As it's, You know, I look out across Lake Ontario every night, folks, and I can see the clouds are just swirling around, there's lightning across the lake, great night to settle in and listen to this true ghost story. Gary, uh, for the folks that are listening on the radio as well, are you sitting in your son's room
2: right now? No, actually, I'm sitting in uh, this room. There is a part of the book that takes place in this room. This is actually my son's toy room slash computer room. So there is a scene in the book um, where something happens that's very out of the ordinary uh, that startled me one night. So that takes place. That's where I'm sitting right now. Can you tell us that story? Sure. You know, um, things have been going on for at least six months. and uh, And at this time... I was never really a believer in in ghosts, for lack of a better word. Um, even though my mom was a big believer in these things, um, and she told us plenty of stories and said that the house was haunted, I kind of sided more with my dad. So, um, And I just kind of grew up to be a rationalist and never really gave the paranormal or ghosts really a second thought. I'd like to watch a movie from time to time or read a book, but um, that was about it. The... But about six months into it I started doing research because well things just so just so many things out of the ordinary had been happening so I started reading up about paranormal things and started doing research and looking at the history of, of hauntings and the history of haunted houses and while there's really not a lot of physical evidence that you can duplicate in a in a, in a laboratory to prove that paranormal activity or anything like that is real there's plenty of historical evidence that you can just pile Pile up and pile up from reputable sources that make you come to believe. It helped me believe that there is something going on. What that really is, you know, I'm not sure. Any of us really have the full answer. Uh, but one night, the um, I'd fallen asleep while doing some research on the couch, and when I woke up, I um, I saw a woman standing in the doorway of this of this of this room, and. Uh, that kind of startled me and I closed my eyes and, you know, and quickly she disappeared. So I thought maybe it was just a fragment of a dream that was left over, but then I started hearing bells, which isn't necessarily out of the ordinary because we live down this uh, street from, the, uh, from a cathedral, so we do hear bells from time to time, but not at three o'clock in the morning. And I started hearing the bells start getting a little bit louder and I sit up and I'm listening and then I get up to just investigate, and, uh, and then the bells all of a sudden go away, or not go away, but then I start hearing drums, too, playing at the same time. So I walk into my son's room where the computer is, and the computer had switched on, and iTunes had, had kicked in, and uh, Hell's Bells by ACDC was playing on, the, uh, on my computer. Now, I was convinced that I had turned the computer off. iTunes had not been playing. As far as I know, maybe it was open, but I definitely had nothing playing. Um, and there's but a line... Of all
0: songs, it. of all songs.
2: Oh, my God. That's, it scared the, Brent, it scared the hell out of me. Because, um, you know, the, uh, you, you, one, you're startled from sleep, and then you walk in, and there's Hell's Bells. And there's a line in it that says, I'll give you black sensations going up and down your spine. Which is, ah, that's what was happening to me, you know, in the house. And uh, and I just like looked at the computer and said something, just like you got to be kidding me. This can't be happening. And I switched it off, and I just felt very very uneasy. And there were other things building up to this, just strange, more strange sensations that were going on in the house. We would see shadows. First, I just saw them, and then my wife saw them. Then my son refused to go back into his room. He would only sleep with us in our bed. And you now these things all have. You know, they can all have logical explanations You know, kids don't want to sleep in their beds They want to sleep with their parents a lot of times Or you'll hear weird noises that could be coming from the outside Or coming from a mouse or something But things just stacked and stacked and stacked and stacked Until it just seemed that all this kind of evidence Pointed to something
1: beyond this world You're listening to Night Fright Your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio The time is now, and now your host, Brent
0: Holland. Folks, Gary Jansen's our guest tonight. (laughs) Get the comforter up, (laughs) that's all I can tell you. He's telling us a true ghost story from the very house he's sitting in right now, from the very room he's sitting in doesn't get any more real than that, does it, folks? Settle in, get comfy, because there's more to this story, and we're going to explore the origins of it, and we're going to explore the hauntings that took place over the course of a year. The book is called Holy Ghosts. Our guest tonight, Gary Jansen, is the author, and experienced this true and live. Easy way to get the book, www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on the book cover. As always, we'll take you right to a place where you can get this book. And You know, the summer's perfect time for a book like this. You're up at the cottage, folks. You want to relax. The kids are asleep. You take the book out and start reading it and scare the hell out of yourself. And it's a true story on top of that. Gary, let's go back to the woman you saw in that very room you're sitting in right now. And folks, for you on the radio, I'll just try and describe the room. It looks ordinary bedroom 10 by 12 i would say some nice little stars it's his son's playroom um he's probably what's uh eight or nine now but he was three at the time. Yeah. yeah he's gonna be about eight so. gonna be eight okay this woman you saw was she clothed in today's regalia if you will was she in
2: victoria where uh did you recognize her at all no, she didn't. Um, she definitely wasn't wearing contemporary clothes. I mean, it was more, you know, early part of the 20th century, I would say. And she didn't look Victorian, but she looked like in a very simple house dress. But you know, it um, it definitely gave me the feeling that it was she was much older than that. And uh, when I was a kid, my mom would say that there was an older woman from the turn of the century who. Would live who lived in our house, this ghost, and she would move from the front door of the house to the front window, um, or the window in the front of our house, so this big picture window that we have. And she'd kind of move back and forth, kind of look around as if she was looking for someone outside, and, um, and that would really be it. you know. My, and I remember asking my mom, is that something I should be afraid of? And she said, absolutely not, she's not bothering us, you know, she's just here. And my mom never really went further than that, though she would tell us different stories or um, things when we were growing up.
0: And Sh- uh, Shared residence, Gary, but was she paying rent?
2: No, I'm, <laughs> kidding. I'm just trying to lighten it up <laughs> in case there's kids watching. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you should have charged her, you know. I mean, times are rough now, so.
0: <laughs> I hear you, my friend. Did she feel evil when you saw her in the doorway? Did she, I guess, right away as a parent, I would be concerned. For the safety of my
2: child and my family. Yes. Same thing with you. Um, well, yes. I mean, I think when it really took me about six months before I really started to believe that there was something extraordinary going on in the house, and it wasn't just coincidence or stress or having a bad day. The um, and once that happened, I mean, what really kind of set it off, and this is, happened just around the six-month mark, is that my son kind of refused to go back into his room. Um, and that's where I was feeling the, the bulk of, this, uh, of these sensations um, and uh, that made me very nervous um, but at the same time I didn't feel like what was in the house was evil it felt disturbing it felt uneasy but it didn't feel this kind of sense of, wow, there's some kind of, you know, crazed demon in here. Or, or I could have been wrong. Um, but there was, you know, there's something, definitely felt like there was a presence, but it didn't feel evil. And so, of course, I felt, you know, I want to be able to protect my kids. Um, but at the same time, I really was dealing with this kind of like healthy skepticism, you know, is is this really happening? I, I don't know. I mean, this doesn't seem to be, this doesn't happen, does it? But You know, you start investigating and you realize, wow, it happens much more often than you think.
0: Did you have conversations with your son? He's only three, I know, but uh, I've had other folks that have been on the show with kind of similar stories, but much, much more disturbing, um, where, if you will, a demon had entered the house and uh, the kids could see it. Um, Did you have conversations with your son to find out what he was afraid of, what he was seeing, that type of thing?
2: You know, you know, I did. I mean, but not. You know, I never put it in the. uh, I never put it in the parameters or the context of are you seeing a ghost, are you seeing a demon, are you seeing anything like this? I just asked him what was wrong, and he would always. He would just kind of like go mute and just said would say nothing and just said I just want to be with you guys. I just want to be with you guys. I don't want to go in there. I just don't want to go in there. And um, so that was really, you know. Uh, that was that was really the extent of it, and we just kind of like left it alone, my wife and I. And um, But, you know, what would happen in the house is that my son's electric toys would turn on and then turn off. And again, these things happen, you know, bad batteries or, or short. But we would get rid of things, and um, other things would just start turning on and turning off by themselves. And one night I had actually, before my son had decided, you know, he's not going in that room anymore, we switched spots because he just was kind of restless. So he went to go sleep with my wife, and I just took his bed because I needed to get up early the next morning. And um, as I'm sleeping, I, I, I experienced something that 100 years ago or 200 years ago is called old hag syndrome. And old hag syndrome is this, um, is this sensation where you feel like you're being pressed down into bed. Like you'll wake up and you feel like there's something on your chest. And there's it's been depicted in art and, and, and songs have been written about it. Um, and they called it the old hag syndrome. In the 20th century, they call it sleep paralysis. That there's a problem with your REM sleep. And that, you know, while your mind wakes up, your body hasn't. So you have this kind of sensation of feeling paralyzed. But... Science hasn't been able to prove why so many people who experience sleep paralysis, including myself this one time, why you see this dark shadow that kind of appears in in the room that you're in, and why you feel this sense of evil foreboding. And as I was experiencing this in my son's room, and just feeling this presence just kind of push me down, and I'm struggling to just kind of get out of it, I finally call out to God to just kind of save me, and... It goes away, but the scary thing that freaked me out and I did not move out of the bed for five minutes was that my son's electric car is turned on. And uh and I just sat there like laid there transfixed until I, I yelled, cut the and you can fill it in, and it stopped. It just stopped. And 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 again, this is just one experience that just kind of stacked on top of others experiences, you know, over the course of, you know, 365 days. You're listening to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for
1: paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Holland.
0: Oh, my God. Folks, Gary Jansen's our guest tonight. If you're just joining us, we're talking about a true haunting that took place right in the very room that he's sitting in right now, by the way, folks, in the very house. Very, very unnerving, without question. The book is called Holy Ghosts, and it's called How a Not-So-Good Catholic Boy (laughs) Became a Believer in Things That Go Bump in the Night. www.nightfrightshow.com. Just click on the book cover that's associated with today's guests, and that'll take you right to a place where you can order this book online. Do it, folks, and get ready to have the bejesus scared out of you. It's a true ghost story. It doesn't get any more real than this. Gary, you had mentioned that your son, uh, you didn't want to let him go back in the room, and this hag story, you know, folks, uh, many of you are are not aware, but when we sleep, our body um, secretes a certain chemical, if you will, to so that we don't get up and start walking around and things like that to uh, appease our, our, our resting body and so our muscles don't move in that. And um, This is what science is trying to come to grips with, but as Gary just reiterated, why this shadow, why this sense of foreboding that is accompanied with this sensation in so many people in my own opinion i think there is definitely something there perhaps people are able to cross over easier when we're sleeping i don't know but there definitely is something something gary let's go back to this story um did you think about moving that morning when you woke up (laughs) because personally i would have bolted for the door eh i'm a big sissy when it comes to stuff like this you know full moon
2: I'm gone. You know, um, you know, I'm a big sissy too. You know, I found out that I was a big sissy during a lot of this. Um, the, you know, there were times where I felt like we should move, and and some of the scarier part, some of the scary instances, yeah. You know, like also, am I doing my family a disservice by staying here? Something tells me to just, you know, just sit still and just ride it out. You know, many many years ago, this very very wise woman told me. Um, rule number one. And rule number one for her was, I'm like, what's rule number one? Do nothing. <laughs> and, and I'm like, do nothing? What do you mean do nothing? You got to do things in life. And she said, just keep that in mind. And I've kept it in mind for over 20 years. And, uh, and it doesn't mean you shouldn't take action, but you should always think before you act. So the, um, So I would use that going through, you know. If something happened, well, do nothing think about this first what's really going on and I think part of me was was saying you know there's something mysterious there's something very creepy going on here should I be afraid I don't know things do up a bit later on and I realize that there's not just one ghost in the house but there may be others as well and um, and that's you know uh, but throughout it, it was it was rule number one you know do nothing wait Gary, the woman, uh, the hag, if you will, uh, during that sleep
0: paralysis moment, did you feel she was the same woman? Because you mentioned evil, and I asked you specifically before, the woman you saw standing in the room you're in right now didn't feel evil. Seemed to be the same person, seemed to be the same entity, or di- completely different, eh?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it felt, you know, when you felt, when I felt that thing, you know, like that, that kind of sensation running down my back, the uh, witch folks out there, You know, I I didn't write the book actually to try to convince skeptics, but just to say this is my experience. A lot of people said, Well, maybe you just had a pulled nerve. Look, I I I I wouldn't have written the book if I had a pulled nerve. There was this the uh that sensation had a very distinct kind of feeling to it. And this thing with sleep paralysis, well that was that was something else. And then I realized that, you know, as months wore on that, that there may have been something that I brought into the house um, that up the ante you know it's almost as if you're um you know you have something you know it's almost like you have a small fire, but then you somehow you do something to throw gasoline on it.
0: Can you explain what you mean by that? Do you think you opened up a portal somehow
2: well i think um the uh the book does talk a lot about curses and um I, was, I didn't know much about curses. I mean, my wife is, uh, my wife comes, um, my wife's family comes from Italy. They talk about curses all the time. They talk about the Valai, the Malocchio. And, uh, the, uh, and it was something I never really bought into. But can we, can we, with the words that we say and the things that we do, unknowingly curse someone or something without even knowing that we're doing it? And uh, so that becomes a big part of the book. The uh, Because there may have been an instance where I said something that I probably shouldn't have said. It was really kind of out of character for me. But maybe it unlocked something or at least got the attention of someone who, you know, that it was pointed at, who had passed on. Um, and then maybe that person or that thing or that entity, you know, just kind of had a little bit of vendetta <laughs> against me. So... Was that a friend, a relative that had passed on? No, it was, um, you know, it was a stranger, you know. And it was it, it, what, what happens in and and how we come to kind of know 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 some of this is that uh, I reached out to a woman named Marianne Winkowski, and Marion Winkowski is a uh, she's someone who sees ghosts, and she was the inspiration for the TV show The Ghost Whisperer with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, the show has been canceled, but you know it's still in reruns, and it was very popular for a long time. But Marianne was the woman who inspired that show, and, uh, and a friend of mine had recommended you know, I reach out to her, and it was kind of the last thing I wanted to do. It, it took me almost seven months before I said, you know what, there's enough weird stuff going on in the house that maybe I should seek an expert's advice. Um, and I felt really uncomfortable about asking a priest, you know? The,
0: uh, How, just... Why so? Could you tell us a little bit about that? You're
2: right, yep. you're a good Catholic boy. Well, a not so good not Catholic boy. Catholic boy, which is <laughs> you know, um you know, and I put some of those things in the book, folks. The uh, uh, but for me I, at the time I was really thinking about becoming a deacon for the Catholic Church. Um I had been I'd gone to Catholic school for twelve years and kinda I don't want to say like fell away like in a horrible way. I just kinda like had my own thing to do and wasn't focusing on God or anything like that. But when as I got a little bit older I thought I felt like um maybe this was something that i was being called to do which is to become a deacon and uh so i'd talked you know i would made friends with a number of priests but these guys were like really like in- intellectuals you know they just it, it, it almost almost to the point where the idea of spirit was very very secondary and tertiary to them but it was the intellect you know if you're going to know god you know god through the mind so for me to say hey guys i got a ghost in my house seemed overly superstitious and something i felt really uncomfortable and, and a bit embarrassed to, to tell him about um and so instead i reached out to this woman marianne and it was kind of an anonymous thing because she didn't know anything about me and and uh and she was going to give me a reading over the phone She was going to be able to tell whether or not you know there was anything in the house and i don't know how she could do that but I just eventually just said, let's just try it. Let's, let's, I'll, I'll do it, you know? I feel a little uncomfortable, but let's try it. And uh, we get on the phone, we start talking, and um, she starts, you know, telling me about my house and how my house looks and, you know, um, and, and the way it's set up and what I'm experiencing, even though I haven't told her anything. And uh, very, very specific things about colors of the rooms and, and, and things that, you know, unless she was reading my mind, no one else really would have known about. And then she says, "Well, you have two things in your house. You have an older woman, kind of turn of the century. Um, she hangs out downstairs. She kind of walks from the front door to the picture window, uh, as if she's looking for someone." And I'm getting goose. I'm getting goosebumps now, actually, just talking about it. The uh, but that was what my mom had told me over the years growing up, like to the T. And she didn't know my mom. She didn't know who I was. You couldn't look me up on the internet back then and find out any of this information. I never told anybody, maybe my wife. My wife had never spoken to him. But then she said, That, her, I'm not worried about. And when she said there were two things, and if she's not worried about that thing, then we have to infer that she was worried about the second one. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, Well, that must mean that the other one, whoever is in here, is not good. And she said, yeah, yeah, I don't like this one. He's a bit of a troublemaker. Gee, huh? He. He. And, and, and she said, you know, and what's weird is that the older woman's been in the house for a very, very long time. This guy has only been here about a year. And I called her in late, I called her in early March of the following year. So almost a year to the date that those things started happening she had just she she had said that this has only been going on for a year and she said um and she said gary uh i hate to tell you this but he's standing and as she was saying this all of a sudden i feel his stuff just course through my back she says he's standing right on top of you right now oh and, my god and all of a sudden i was just like what the hell are you talking about and I was freaked out, and then all of a sudden your imagination just starts running wild. And you feel this, you've been feeling this sensation in the house, and and even before she gets the words out, you start feeling this, and then she says, exactly, and I had not even tell her what I was feeling, that whatever it was, was on top of me, and wasn't very happy with me.
0: Did she describe the entity at all, what he was wearing, what he looked
2: like, anything like that that you could relate to? Well, she, um, she did. She, um, didn't say what he was wearing, but gave me an age, gave me... thought she was giving me his name, and, uh, which seemed vaguely familiar. Um, but then I realized, no, 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 you're talking about a town that's in the same county. Um, you know, it's not next door to us, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not a hundred miles away either. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I started thinking oh, wait a minute why do I know this and and it took me a little while but then I started realizing that that this person that she was talking about had died you know uh, the year before um had um and had a uh, and I had said something so what, what happened was I'd read in the newspaper about this young man uh, dying in a car accident. And it seemed to be his fault. And he seemed to be hot-dogging and, and caused an accident that could have killed other people. Now, a part of the story is that I began feeling those sensations a couple days after my wife miscarried in our house. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, and uh, he ended up dying on the same day that my wife miscarried... And after i had read this story, I got so filled with anger toward this guy because we had just lost a potential child, and, um, and and I felt bad for his family. So I said something really, really nasty, like, that I wouldn't normally say. Did he hear it? Did his soul hear it? You know? Well, I- How does he travel, you know, uh, among the dead? It- I can absolutely understand um, the emotions
0: you were going through because, you know, here's a young guy that's thrown his life away recklessly, and you've just lost a child of your own, a life that, um, you know, you had no control over, so I completely understand that.
1: You're listening to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now, and now you're Holland. Folks, our guest
0: tonight, I'm riveted to this seat. Um, if I had a comforter right now, folks, it'd be up over my head, because this is a true ghost story. If you're just joining us, settle in. Lots of time left. We've got over a half hour left, folks, and get ready to be creeped out for real this is a true ghost story gary's joining us live right from his house where the ghost story took place and uh, folks it just getting creepier and creepier as we're going along um i can't say enough uh, about gary's book it's called holy ghosts how a not so good catholic boy became a believer in things that go bump in the night www.nightfrightshow.com www.nightfrightshow.com that's the website folks i've made it a focal point uh for the show everybody can go there whenever you want you can download these shows free afterwards uh if you're listening on the radio right now and for some reason you, you uh have to stop the car or whatever if you're watching on television you can go to the website download the shows for free in their entirety you can click on the book cover associated with each guest show that'll take you right to a place right away where you can order their books online and this is a perfect book for the summer folks if you go into the cottage and you want a scary read late at night like it is right now i'm looking out over lake ontario And I'm telling you, the wind's blowing right across this lake tonight, folks. And I can see the lightning in the distance. It's foreboding. It's ominous. This is a perfect night to read a book like this and settle in and watch Night Fright. Let's go back to Gary now. And, um, you know, this thing is escalating. You've contacted Marianne. Did she have any recommendations for you, Gary? Like, uh, get the hell out of there, or? Get a priest over right away. I, I, you know, I, I default to a priest. You know, like Protestant, uh, <laughs> Protestant guys just don't carry it. you have to get a Catholic
2: in there. Did
0: <laughs> Does she have any recommendations for you?
2: Uh, you know, she did. Um, and one, she did say, one, you should get the house blessed, uh, but it has to be done in the right way. Um, she said that too. Too often, a priest will come in to bless a house. Um, but we'll do just a generic kind of blessing, and essentially what you're doing is you're blessing the entity that's inside the house. Um, so there's a certain form of house blessing, which is a minor form of exorcism that that should be performed, and that you should ask your priest um, to do something like that. Uh, you know, if they feel like, if you feel like there's something inside there, um, the, you know, her recommendation is to try to get a priest to go in there. And you know, the thing was that I had had a priest in the house you know prior when we moved into the house uh when we moved in the house in 2001 and he was a friend of ours he blessed the house and you know and um and it made me laugh to think that you know that he was going around sprinkling holy water and saying prayers and you know the ghost lady was you know thank you father <laughs> you know but she she didn't go anywhere and um, she didn't say that you should get out she said that you know we need to get rid of them and uh she gave me um, she gave me some instructions. She sent me some stuff, um, essentially a sage stick, which made me a little nervous actually, because um, kind of like going back to you know Catholicism, my faith. It says very explicitly in the catechism, you know, you shouldn't you know you shouldn't you know you shouldn't talk with mediums. You shouldn't you know you shouldn't be talking to the dead. But there always seem to be these kind of you know weird parallels. You know, um, when you go to a Catholic funeral. What do they do except burn incense, you know, around a coffin, right? Because they're trying to raise the spirit up to heaven. Um, You know, and it's also, you know, used for sensory, um, you know, for the senses to try to get you into a form of prayer and uh, a sense of focus. And but this is what Native Americans have done their whole entire life. So essentially what she was telling me to do is no real different than what a priest does, except that a priest was doing it and then I was a layperson doing it. Um, so the, she gave the recommendation to go around and smudge the house. Um, and it took me a little while before I got comfortable to do that, but I'd done research. Just, you know, when she said to do that, I was a little freaked out, but then looked at, you know, um, just I just began to see parallels um, with, uh, you know, what the church does. You know, and the other thing is that we, you know, the Catholic Church says obviously don't speak to Dead. I mean, necromancy is, you know, something that's forbidden. Yet, we do pray to saints, you know, and that's talking to the dead as well. So, you know, so much of it has to do with intent. And so, where the, the title of the book or the subtitle comes from, a not so good Catholic boys, I do a few things that I know Catholics would say, absolutely not, you should not do that. Um, but I didn't do them half heartedly or, or I really put a lot of, you know, thinking into this um, in, in just about the steps that I took. So those were the big things. Smudge the house, get it blessed by a priest, and um, you know, And then she was going to give me further instructions on how to get rid of them. You're
1: listening to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Brent Holland.
0: Folks, Gary Jansen's our guest tonight. We're talking about his book, Holy Ghost. It's a true haunting um, that took place uh, right where he's living right now and broadcasting from, if you're watching on television or listening on the radio, he's virtually sitting in the room where a lot of this creepy, creepy, evil stuff took place. And it's a true ghost story. Easy way to get his book, www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on the book cover. Order the book, folks. You're going to enjoy it. Maybe perhaps that's the wrong word. You're going to be creeped out by it, but it's a true ghost story. This is the perfect season for that, folks, because you know, you're know you up at the cottage or uh, you know the kids are asleep. Finally, after being out of school, you want to sit down, relax, enjoy a good book, enjoy a good story, and it's a true story. Good book for you, folks. Holy ghosts. Gary, here you are. You're a young man with a wife, a young family, three-year-old that won't sleep in the room anymore and wants to sleep with his mom and dad all these creepy, creepy things going on. You've just had Marianne tell you that there's this entity standing virtually right over you when you're speaking on the phone with her. Um, my first inclination right there would have been to move my family out. Perhaps I would have stayed to battle this thing. Did, did you want to move your family out at all? I, I know that's a financial strain and everything, but uh, and as an extension of that,
2: I guess you must have been asking, "Why me?" Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, uh, great questions, Brent. The um, you know, I I think my first inclination was, "Let's just get the heck out of here." Um, but Marianne did reassure me. She said, "Look, you know, don't. <laughs> here's here's the secret. Just don't talk to them. You know, because if you talk to them, you engage them. You know, and she said that the more you engage with them, the more that they hang around and the more active that they get. So don't talk to them." Which, as soon as you tell someone, don't do something, you automatically want to do the opposite. Um, but I really did kind of refrain from it. And she said, "Look, you don't really, you don't have to be worried. I don't like that other one, but he's not evil. It's not a demon. It's actually a human spirit. And the thing is, is that the difference between demons and go, you know, the difference between a demon and a ghost is the ghost lived on Earth at one point was a human being. A demon is a non-bodied entity. You know." Uh, which is it, an entity unto itself. Exactly. It's it never had a physical body, though That's it right. though it can um, manifest things or, or or create turmoil or just influence us um, or influence your senses. Whether or not they can actually materialize, I don't know, but can they affect your senses? I think yes, they can. And um, so the so yeah, so I think the first the feeling was yeah, let's move. But it, as you said, you know, it's financial concerns and you know. Nothing really terrible has happened. Weird stuff has happened, but nothing nothing terrible. I don't want people to be disappointed too when they read the book. This book is not like Amityville Horror, where there's blood dripping and you know, and there's axes flying and and, and, and all that. It was just really, really spooky, spooky stuff that just kind of piled on it's top of other. And, and it was and and it was like, wow, this is what you know when people have real hauntings in their house that's this is what this is what's going on um, and I think the more and more you do research, the more and more you read that people experience the sort of thing that I experience. Very few people kind of experience that kind of crazy sensational stuff you know I, I guess Gary, I'm going to come back to that why me thing because
0: um You know, it's not like it's a horror movie where you just turn it off and you go to bed, and yeah, you're a little bit disturbed, you may have a bad dream or something. This is a constant thing going on, and it's real. All of a sudden, it's crossed that fine line between horror and reality, uh, if you will, um, pretend, uh, which you see on TV and the movies, etc. And all of a sudden, this is the real deal going on. How did you handle that psychologically?
2: Yeah, you know, I think... um you know, while all this was going on, I was actually doing work on another book um, called Exercising Your Soul, which was based on the spiritual practices and exercises of St. Ignatius. And so I was doing a lot of spiritual exercises, you know, before this stuff started happening and while it was going on. And so I was praying every day and meditating every day. You know, I was getting up early to do all this stuff. And I think, so when you ask for the why me, I think... That meditation and prayer and that sense of quiet helped me become more aware of something that may have been, you know, obviously the one that had been in the house for a long time, but made me much more aware of, 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 of something else that had entered as well. Now, maybe this happens to everybody all the time, but if you're not in a sense of quiet, if you don't have a sense of quiet or a sense of stillness within you, you may not even experience it. You may not even feel it. These things could be happening to, you know, your next door neighbor, um, but they think it's just nothing. They ride it off or they don't even feel it because there isn't this sense of quiet and stillness. And, you know, I ride the subway to work every day. And, you know, if you were to ask me, what does the person look like that I stood next to on the subway this morning? I couldn't tell you, you know, and that's a living person that's standing right in front of me that I just ignored because you just get this kind of like strange tunnel vision when you're commuting every day. You zone out. You zone out, you know, and, uh, and if you're zoning out physically with people, or with, with people who are physical bodies in front of you, think about how we zone out to the spiritual world. If you know, I do believe that there's a spiritual world. Um, and it could be around us all the time. I, have, I, I believe it is. But I think if you're not, you know, a lot of people just don't even know it's, it's, it's around them. They may be experiencing stuff and writing it off or just not even, they're just zoned out to it. So I think that's part of the reason, which is the why me is, I think I was par- partly just tuned into it at the time in a way that I'd never been before in my entire life. Because yeah, the meditation and prayer was so deep um, during that one year. And then the other instance was that, you know, that I'd somehow brought it on to myself and that... You know, is that Catholic guilt? I'm teasing you yeah, now a little Catholic bit. Somehow, you know exactly. It was Catholic guilt, and what did I do to, you know, to kind of deserve this? But then, I think the prayer and the meditation really helped me kind of turn things around. That's the whole thing about Ignatius, which is, you know, let's see, let's look at things from different angles. You know, what can I learn from this? So that really became the motivating force, you know, toward the end of the haunting. Wait, I'm being taught something here. What is it?
0: And that's what I want to get into next, folks. I want to get into your faith next and what it did to your faith.
1: You're listening to Night Fright, your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Holland. Uh, Gary
0: Jansen's our guest uh, tonight folks we're talking about Holy Ghost it's a true story his true story of a haunting that took place right in the very house where broad- he's broadcasting from tonight and if you're listening on the radio he's broadcasting from a small room a playroom for his child and uh, a lot of creepy things happened in that room folks for example <laughs> he saw a woman standing at the door what would that do to you? If you were walking up the stairs, looking into your child's playroom, and all of a sudden there's a woman standing there that doesn't belong there, and all of a sudden she's gone, disappeared. Folks, easy way to get the book, www.nightfrightshow.com. Click on that book cover. That'll take you right to a place. Order this book, folks. It'll be there within a few days. Um, no problem there even though Canada Post is on strike the delivery <laughs> systems are on strike <laughs> and ghosts never go on strike I can guarantee that you know it's a wonderful wonderful book uh, Gary and a lot of lessons in there it's a good way folks for you to read about a true ghost story um, In the middle of the night, you know, the kids are asleep. Everything's quiet in the house. Uh, You just want to sit down in your comfy chair. Get scared a little bit, but safely. This is a great book for that. www.nightfrightshow.com Just click on that book cover. Gary, what did it do to your faith? What has this done to your faith? Did Did you curse at God and say, You... Son of a gun! What are you doing this? What are you? Why are you doing this to my family? Why are you doing this to me? Did it bring you closer to God? Did you shun him completely?
2: um, No, it definitely. You know, it 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 reinterpreted my faith, Um, and the uh, and I didn't. I didn't expect it to. Like, I wasn't on that kind of. You know, I just didn't expect that that's what was going to happen, or that would be the outcome as all this stuff was going on. Um, you know, I'm an editor of, of of religion in New York, so there are books that are published, and I'm the editor of them. And, and it's, religion has been something I've been very interested in for the last ten years. So, um, but it always seems strange to me that when you talk about really formal, organized religion, that You know, they'll talk about it, you'll talk about it politically, you'll talk about, you know, all the scandals that happen, you know, you'll go to church and, you know, this is how we live practically. And that's totally cool. And that's a great part of it. We we need to get this information out there. We need to have these conversations. But I realized that so much, so little of it ever incorporated angels or spirits or God is a spirit. Yeah, but... But wait a minute! How come we never really talk about this kind of stuff? And 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 we almost have taken the supernatural out of religion. Though so a lot of people would argue, well, that's not true. You know, uh, religion's so superstitious. It, it's it's the, you know the evil that has created all the evils in all the world. But as an editor, as someone who kind of like reads on this stuff and just investigates it all the time. It's not what I see. I really see that the spirit has been taken out of religion, and maybe that's why religion has such problems um, today. And so what happened was, it just helped me see, so part of the book is is an investigation or an examination of what I experienced, but part of it also kind of looks at, you know, history, the history of, of hauntings, and that includes, you know, the history of hauntings or the experiences that Catholics felt. So saints, you know... What well, did you
0: find out, Gary, when you did your research? Was there a commonality through the people that were haunted?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, uh, you know, I did research with just lay people and then people of faith. And, you know, so you have saints who experienced hauntings, you know. There was St. John Bosco who had, you know, he, his big religious experience was... Um, when his friend came back he had a, a friend who, who had passed away and they had made a, a bet well not a bet but a pact that whoever died first would come back and, and give notice that there was something on the other side and then three days later um, he has this experience where you know, he's in this dormitory room and everyone experienced it um, sounds, you know, lights you know, and, and this word you know, these words I am saved John, I am saved and and it wasn't just him who experienced it, but everybody in the room. So, you know, if a lay person has an experience, people are very quick to write it off. Oh, it's demonic or you're crazy. But if a saint has it, well, it must be real then. Um, so there's this kind of double standard that I wanted to, um, you know, examine. And... So that's part of the book as well. So it, it it does talk about, you know, kind of you know, and then it looks at the world history or the world religions as well, you know, and just, you know, there's things called the hungry ghosts in, in, in Buddhism, these Pratas, right? And they just they are these almost purgatorial spirits that just like are yearning and like in torment. And um and that was the thing to see was it just it just it blew my mind, you know, how expansive it was. And I guess people maybe know that these things permeate all cultures but for me it was really just outstanding to see people have had paranormal supernatural experiences from the dawn dawn of time that's right and and, and they're all over and you know so that was very eye-opening to me and and to see those specifics and to see how you know someone in China had had a similar experience as someone in Venezuela and, and things like that it seems to be part
0: of the human experience if you will it transcends all religion it transcends all ethnicities uh right across the board it's going to be you know i often say it's going to be funny if that's the final thing ghosts that brings the world together in some sort of human family um whatever it takes for us to stop shooting the butts off of each other who cares if it's walmart's across the world who cares let's just get it done
1: you're listening to night fright your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Holland. Uh, folks, Gary
0: Jansen, I'm enjoying this conversation tonight. It's the story of a true haunting. His, go- his uh, book is called Holy Ghosts, How a Not-So-Good Catholic Boy Became a Believer in Things That Go Bump in the night. www.nightfrightshow.com Nightfrightshow.com. You can see it going across here. Easy way to get the book. Just click on the book cover associated with tonight's guest. That'll take you right to a place where you can order it from the comfort of your own home. Gary, we've only got a few minutes left. we got about five minutes left. Um, where are you now with this? Has the not-so-nice entity left? Is, are they both present? Are they both... Uh, Uh, still in the house residing with you Uh, have you come to some sort of agreement with them
2: the um well I don't want to give away the end part of the book but I can tell you the reason why I wanted to write the book was that that really really convinced me that what we were experiencing was of a supernatural origin was that it was a very definite beginning and it was a very definite ending um which makes for a perfect story for a book all books have beginnings, middles, and ends, and this story ended a year later. Um, how that story ended? Well, you'll have to read the book. The uh, but the uh, but we're still in the house, and um, you know, and it's just and, and things have. Um, let's just say that my my faith and my vision and how open I am. To uh, the supernatural has has changed forever. It's something I never really thought about a few years ago, and now it's something that you know permeates you know the way that I see and, and, and think about things.
0: Gary, do you still fear for your family Yourself?
2: yourself? Uh, no, um, and that's one thing that Marianne, you know, was was really helpful, and also doing research and then having talk, finally coming out and like talking to priests about it, and just you know, and, and most of them just said, "Look, you know." Um, These things aren't things that you have to be afraid of. They can be very, you know, disconcerting while they're going on. Um, But a lot of times, you know, you're bringing in a certain sense of, you know, whatever fears lie dormant in you or or inside your heart. You know, they can be really magnified when you start experiencing something that's extraordinary like this. Um, And uh, so for me, it was a big twist. For me, it was just something that started off frightening, you know, almost damning and turned into something that was incredibly life-affirming. And it just, you know, it reconfigured who I am. With
0: the release of the book, have you been persecuted at all um, by individuals
2: or even by the church? Um, Well, I I think a lot of people have been unhappy uh, with the book. Uh, I've had a lot of people who, who love the book, so I get, uh, I've get i gotten a lot of good reviews and, you know, and, and a lot of great people have just, you know, written, you know, wonderful letters about how much they love the book and love the story and how it helped them with their faith. But, you know, it does go off a little bit on – it goes outside the parameters of what, you know, Catholic teaching, you know, or what people believe to be Catholic teaching, even though I examine all that stuff inside the book. So I, I can't say people have been – they haven't persecuted me. But I can say that a number of people have been upset by it, um, and just, uh, you know, challenged by it. And, you know, you have to just, you have that's it's the way of the world. You know, there's going to be people who like it, who don't like it. And, um, you know, and, and, and as long as we're just kind of, you know, fair and, 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 and good to one another, I think it's okay to have different opinions, so.
1: I agree wholeheartedly, without question. You're listening to Night Fright. Your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. The time is now. And now your host, Brent Holland.
0: Folks, the book is called Holy Ghosts, How a Not-So-Good Catholic Boy Became a Believer in Things That Go Bump in the Night. And things, folks, do go bump in the night quite often, more than you would think, maybe even in your own house. Uh, It's the story of a true ghost story. Easy way to get this book, folks, www.nightfrightshow. show. You'll see it just running across here. Just type that in Google or just type in Night Fright Show, and it'll come right up. Go to the website, click on the book cover, take you right to a place where you can get this book online. Get this book, folks. You know, in the quiet of the still of the night, and you're sitting there in your comfy chair when the house is quiet, this is a great read for you. It'll challenge you also um, to look at your perhaps your own faith in certain directions as well. Uh, True ghost story, folks, it'll frighten you, it'll enlighten you, and how does they say it? It'll make you laugh, it'll make you cry. (laughs) Gary Jansen's (laughs) been our guest tonight. Gary, I want to thank you for joining us and for having the courage to write a book like this, it must have taken a lot of courage for you to do that.
2: Thank you, Brent. It was, uh, it took about a year to make the decision, but, um, I'm really glad I did. Okay. When, listen, when they
0: optioned it for the film, did I tell you I was a film composer? I composed for NASA, and I'm working on a feature film for Martin Sheen and uh, Joe Don Baker and those guys right now. So you let me know, and uh, we'll work it out, buddy, because this Correct. is a great book. <laughs> <laughs> so, I will do that. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brent Holland from Night Fright. See you later.
1: You're listening to Night Fright and your host, Brent Holland. The time is now. Your voice in the dark for Paranormal and Conspiracy Radio.